0: This is Geek Gab with your host Dornall and me, Daddy War Pig. We are back, Geek Gab, for Saturday, September twenty-fifth, two thousand and twenty-one. You know, I hear September and I think, man, Halloween's almost here.
1: Yeah, man. I'm excited. You're a big fan of Halloween. It's time to... I like to, the Halloween. Yeah. What about it do you like? Horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if, if you were going to say anything besides horror movies.
0: Well, I'm old. They don't let you go trick-or-treating anymore when you're old.
1: So... yeah. Yep. Plus, you can buy all the candy bars you want, and you can get yourself the full-size ones, too. That's true. If I wanted candy bars, I could
0: buy them for myself. I don't have to go begging candy from the neighbors. (laughs) Please, sir, may I have another Three Musketeers?
1: Yeah, I tell you what, I I've got the uh I've got the opposite experience. Once I once I grew out of the costumes and the trick or treating, and I did grow out of the costumes. Uh, I never sort of uh I never thought much of Halloween. It's a great time to hang around with friends or family, watch some horror movies, hand out candy. But uh, I, I've never never been one of the big uh, decorators or costume goers or party goers or whatever.
0: Oh, yeah, we've talked about that on the show before, twice, two years in a row, how, like, nuts my sister is uh, with these incredible, awesome, just amazing decoration things. So she's going to be putting that up in, in, like, four or five days. As soon as October starts, she's going to be putting up her stuff for Halloween this year.
1: Uh that would be a great thing to show off online. Does she use social media like Instagram or or TikTok or whatever to show off her crafts? I don't know if
0: she shows them off. Uh, she is on Facebook with the rest of the fam, but I have no idea what, if she you know, publicly shows them off. But she's always ends up in the local paper. Um, people always come around her house. It's like an annual thing now. People are like, "Oh, I read about this house, and they come around and take pictures of it and stuff." <laughs> so, she's like this minor local celebrity for her Halloween things. So I'm like, "That's cool." Last year she did Ghostbusters. That was awesome. Nice. She has those. You know how they have those big, huge animals out in front of a uh, out in front of the used car lots that stay. Puffed up because of air being blown through them. Yeah, she had one of those uh, that was the stay puffed marshmallow man. Um, and then she had four kid sized uh, mannequins from stores that were dressed up like the four Ghostbusters.
1: And, Love it. And
0: then lines of. Lighting that looked like, you know, little proton beams going out and zapping them. And then she had on the other side of the sidewalk a huge uh, air inflatable thing that looked like Ecto One, that looked like the car. You're just like, wow. She had backdrops that looked that were painted up to look like buildings uh in an urban setting and it was just phenomenal i'm like dad girl and and she plans for these years in advance so if there's something she needs to buy she can just start buying them like two or three years in advance and uh she doesn't have to like rush and buy them expensively. She gets them for really, really cheap, uh, and it's a real good time to buy Halloween stuff the day after Halloween because <laughs> everything goes on sale, and so she can buy stuff
1: cheaply. Oh yeah, you just you go to that seasonal Halloween store the day after, and when they're when they're packing up and unloading all their merchandise, and just get it. Do you know what she's planning for this year? I have no idea. Well, I look forward to your update in a month, sir. Uh, I'm sure it'll be something spectacular. Um, Uh, It's great. I love this season. Uh, Autumn. I'm an autumn guy. I love the autumn season. Um, Early autumn when it's still warm but you get the cool night air and the leaves start to turn and we're officially in holiday season. We can start talking about Halloween and Making plans for for the holidays, I love it. It's a great way to end the year. Uh, got them, we got them, folks. Um, the other thing that comes around this time of year is get to spend a little bit more time inside, watching movies and TV. Football, what what have you? So I've reading been watching some of us. Some yeah, reading books. Some people do that. I don't understand it, but I accept it. So what have you been reading lately? Well, what have you been watching lately? Uh, a couple of new things on a couple of things on Netflix and a new thing and an old thing. Um, I just wanted to briefly mention we sat down and watched a new action flick on Netflix called Kate. Did you hear about that? Or did you see that one?
0: I heard about it. I did not watch it yet.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, just a, it's a action packed revenge story. It's got a La Femme Nikita meets John Wick vibe to it with some, uh, with Woody Harrelson slumming it and, uh, the main character Kate's played by uh the girl from Scott Pilgrim her name is Mary Winstead Mary Elizabeth Winstead
0: um isn't she basically playing the same character she was playing in uh the Harley Quinn movie
1: oh i wouldn't know i i didn't see the Harley Quinn movie oh uh. I, you could not pay me to see that one.
0: <laughs> she was playing a character whose family got murdered, so she was out for revenge, and she studied and basically
1: became a ninja. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, That's this why is... I haven't
0: seen it yet. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I've seen Mary Elizabeth Winstead playing this character.
1: That's it. She's typecast now. Yeah, she's it's it's La Femme Nikita style. Uh, she's an orphan raised by a man played by Woody Harrelson who trained her to be an assassin. And so she spends the whole movie running around trying to survive because there's the, the whole Yakuza is after her in Japan. So uh, yep.
0: that's the exact
1: same character from there you the Harley go. Quinn movie. There you go. Uh, so she's typecast now. <laughs> uh, that's it.
0: I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying that's what dropped my interest in it. It's like well, I've seen her doing this before.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually a, it's an okay movie if you like the action. If uh, if you know waif girl action doesn't bother you too much. You know, she there's some really cool gun battles and knife battles, but when she does the hand-to-hand stuff, it, it's that usual Hollywood. Mm, I'm not sure if she could actually take those guys. Uh, staging, but uh, but the action's fast. It's fun, and uh, uh, I give it a eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm really picky about my movies. Anyway, I I I definitely sat through the whole thing, um. And Woody Harrelson's giving way more gravitas to the (laughs) film than (laughs) you think it would get or deserve.
0: Yeah, that's kind of like putting Woody Harrelson in gravitas.
1: Wow. (laughs) Yep. Hey, he's at that age and and that level of experience where he can do that now, him of all people um the other thing i've been watching is or, or the other thing i watched i've been meaning to watch this for a while is uh the ballad of buster scruggs did you see that one i have not seen that one well i want to talk a little bit more about that because i thought it was really great i don't know how i missed it It's uh came out in 2018 and it was Written. Has it
0: really been three years?
1: It has. Mama. Uh, written, directed, produced by the Joel and Ethan Cohen, the Cohen brothers. I I, I guess I'm a fan of them. I, I like almost everything I've seen that they've made. Um, it is a anthology of six westerns. And. I, I guess I don't have that much to say about it. Uh, so it's six different stories with a bunch of uh, different actors. Great cast. It's the source of that famous meme picture of James Franco standing yeah. uh, standing on the in the gallows with a noose around his neck, looking over at the guy next to him, saying, "This your first time." That's the uh, second story. The cowboy.
0: Do the the stories intersect at all? No.
1: It's just uh, five or six different stories. Some of them, uh, there's a couple of them, I believe, that were actually adapted from stories. Uh, There's a Jack London story about a quiet valley that a gold prospector comes in and he, he, you know, things happen and uh that was a that was a pretty good one, but it was a little weird. Uh, it was mostly just Tom Waits being a cranky old gold rush cool. prospector but yep. yeah well let, let me go over it a little bit in detail like, like the first the first story is the actual ballad of Buster Scrugs. Buster Scrugs is a one of these fastest gun in the west types, right? And he, uh, he's the guy that you might see on the, on the cover, you know, dressed in white, playing guitar on his horse. Right. Um, and it's, it's a great setup for the, the whole anthology because as you might guess from, you know, the earlier Coen brothers films, it's chock full of dark humor, um, Ah, uh, so having having the first story about a gunslinger, you know, who's at the top of his game fighting off challenges—that's uh, all well with the you know the cheesy cowboy songs and and playing the guitar at the same time. That's it was a great introduction, um, lots of laughs, and then they move into and I'm trying not to spoil uh, actual twists of the story, but the the next one is the cowboy, uh, James Franco. Gets himself into a lot of trouble with the law and and it's a story about him trying to avoid the news and it's got uh, amazing. uh, Amazing work by oh and i've already forgotten his name remember uh, Milton from office space. Yes, or the the boss from news radio. Uh, He he plays a. Banker. in. The cowboy, uh, or the cowboy, it opens up with him attempting to rob a bank, and absolutely hilarious. They they just, all these great character actors come in, uh, and wow, where's, I've got the IMDb open. Steven Root, I can't believe I forgot his name, I was just just talking about it last night. Awesome cameo by him. Oh, that's got that story's got a a fun twist, and it's all dark. There's another story uh a bizarre story about an entertainer played by Liam Neeson and he's traveling around the west with a quadruple amputee who um, recites poetry and and does drama and stuff, so they you know they're just going around as entertainers with the ha- hat in hand trying to make money. I can't say anything more about that without spoiling it. It's just a really strange one. Uh, And there's another story. I mentioned the prospector. Uh, That was uh, another one. That was the Jack London story. Uh, That was really tense. And and it, it was, it was a really tense story because you're sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And when it does, uh, you have no idea which, which way it's going to go because of, you know, the the expectations set by the previous stories. Uh, the next one is a story about the Oregon Trail. They even mention cholera in it. I love it. Uh, it's a, it's based on a story called The Girl Who Was Rattled by, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, that was an interesting story. It had sort of a sweet love story to it. Um like uh like the rest of the the stories here, it's it's a tragedy. And then the I think that's all of them. The final story uh is about three travelers on a stagecoach. Uh, well five travelers on a straight stagecoach. And it's it's just sort of like a, a little bottle story with a with a great twist that they reveal about you know a th- halfway through, a third of the way through if you're paying attention. And it's I can't spoil anything about it. It's, it. let me just say, it is really delightful too. Uh, first of all, have, you know, five great stories put together like this. Um, the, the Cohen's writing and presentation, perfect for the dark humor presented in all the stories and all the camera work is gorgeous all the they got all these amazing character actors in four different roles um i'm gonna just name a few the you know buster scruggs played by tim blake nelson clancy brown uh as a uh as a gunfighter and gambler in that first story um he's the kurgan from islander uh we already mentioned steven root james franco um, Tom Waite. awesome as the uh, prospector, Tom Waits, I should say. What can I say? Absolutely uh, weird. It was weird. It's a little bit long because it's six uh, short stories, um, but it's so entertaining, so well shot, well acted, well written and everything like that. I can't recommend it more. If you if you like Westerns, you're going to love it. If you like the Coen Brothers style or sense of humor, you're going to love it. Uh, if if you like seeing the, if you like the dark humor, or if you like any of these uh, actors, you know, there's lots of, oh, it's that guy kind of actors in there. You're going to love it. Absolutely great film.
0: I will note that the Coen brothers uh, made one of my favorite modern Westerns, uh, which is True Grit.
1: Yeah, the um, Jeff Bridges really, yep. uh, played the John Wayne role in that one, didn't he? Yep. I liked that. I never saw the original. So uh, that being my first introduction to the story, I really enjoyed that movie.
0: Uh, I do want to see the original, um, and I haven't yet, but man, Jeff Bridges is just a phenomenal actor. So, you know, and I will admit that a large part of why that movie worked is because they cast Jeff Bridges in the part, um, and also cast a completely unknown actress in the part who happened to be phenomenal herself. Uh, but that's part of being a good director, is putting the right people uh, in the right parts so that they can make your movie come alive. Um, so the Cohen brothers are, are, they're kind of their own, tornado almost moving its way through Hollywood. And they don't seem to stop for anything else other than what they want to do. And they're very lucky they've had a career like that. I don't know that they've had an out-and-out turkey um, as far as making a movie. They've made some movies that aren't they're not as they're not aimed or trying to be popular movies. Um, But all of their movies are high quality. They haven't made movies that are, you know,
1: that suck. Uh, Yeah. Just going to Joel Cohen's director credits. Absolutely. There's so many good movies in here. Um, if, if you're curious, if you don't know who I'm talking about, um, the their their probably best known films are Fargo and The Big Lebowski. Yep, absolute classics. No Country for Old Men, which that's a controversial one because it's a strange Cormac McCarthy story, but the uh, the actual the, I mean the filmmaking in that is outstanding. Burn after reading. Did, I thought that one was hilarious. Did you ever catch that one?
0: I you know what of all the movies you've mentioned so far, that's the only one I haven't seen.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was a hoot. Um and Hail Caesar, absolute hilarious takedown of the communist invasion of Hollywood. Really, really funny. And of course the ballad of Buster Scruggs. No, yeah, they're they're outstanding.
0: No Country for Old Men was a really it is absolutely not my cup of tea because I like movies where heroes arise and heroes win. Uh and I know it's Cormac McCarthy Cormac McCarthy's story. Um but I pointed this out to a friend of mine that what the story was really about was where the hero let himself be defeated by the villain and so got away. You know, Spoilers for a, what, 10-year-old movie now? 2007. Oh, 14-year-old movie. Yeah, spoilers for a 14-year-old movie. Sorry. If you haven't seen it by now, then you're acquiescing to spoilers. The uh, statute of limitations has run out a long time ago. Um, but it, it's a movie that's really about when the hero uh, chooses defeat. Um he's just scared off by the villain. And because of that, the villain gets away with everything. And the hero just kind of diminishes. And he lives, but he only lives because he lets this really
1: grotesque bad guy escape. Yeah, and and I've heard uh, a theory on on why that happens, and you know why the villain is such this superhuman, superhuman and cold killer is that uh, it's not. He's not necessarily a person so much as a force of nature. That I mean, yeah, the, they, you know, Anton Sugar's uh, like death incarnate.
0: They they play him like almost like a, a slasher, like Jason. Um from the Friday the 13th movies. Um, or like Michael Myers from the Halloween movies. He is implacable, he is undefeatable. He does have some awesome personality quirks that you know when he's arguing with the uh with the gasoline attendant.
1: Gas station attendant. Best scene of the whole movie. You're just man.
0: Um, But they gave him, you know, character and uh, he is implacable and as undefeatable as Jason and Mike Myers. Without being as uh, lacking in personality. He's got a lot of personality and quirks. And it made it worth watching him. But at the same time. So I'm not saying it's a bad movie and I'm saying it's a reprehensible movie or an evil movie or anything. Um, I mean, it's a skillfully done movie as far as the actors and the director. Um, It's it's really, really well done. No Country for Old Men. It's got Tommy Lee Jones in it playing the uh, main hero, which, you know, he did a phenomenal job. It's got Thanos... And Cable in it as the other guy, Josh Brolin, and he did a phenomenal job, but uh, I just, I am philosophically and personally opposed to the ending that the movie had. And I could understand why a writer would put that ending in, but I still think it's a terrible ending.
1: Strange, isn't it? I think I think a lot of people were really turned off by that. Uh, I I think even if you wanted to have a downer ending, which isn't—I mean, most people don't want a downer ending. But even if you wanted a downer ending, having him catch up with chigger in you know, being killed by him, right? That would have that would have been, I think, a more satisfying downer ending for most people. So yeah, I mean it's a movie I'm glad
0: I saw. It is not a waste of time to, to watch. I would recommend people who uh who like thrillers. I mean it's a fabulous thriller. Absolutely, I would recommend people go see it if they like thrillers. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's not a upbeat movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad I saw it once. It's not a movie I'd go back to Um, again and again, it'd be one of those movies that you got on rental at Blockbuster, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, yeah, that that was worth the, you know, buck ninety nine or ninety nine cents to rent it." I'm okay.
1: We've we've got. uh, I'm gonna make a shout out to the chat. Neil Durando is a big fan of the movie. His his take is the climaxes just don't come where you expect them climactically, cinematically. Um, he particularly liked the ending monologue by Tommy Lee Jones, which I I admit I was sort of I was scratching my head at the ending so much I don't think it really impressed on me. But yeah, I think that's I think that's another way of looking at the way. Daddy Warpig reacted to the film the way I reacted to the film. A lot of people, where we didn't get a story, we didn't get story beats the way that we're used to in our films. And without, without sort of a, we want the crazed serial killer to be caught. And, and that, that's where we kind of wanted the story to go and it didn't happen. And so it was strange.
0: Yeah, even in slasher movies, uh, the slasher gets caught or killed or driven off or whatever until the next sequel. Right. Obviously, this is never going to be a sequel because it's just not that kind of movie. Um, or it's never going to have a sequel. Uh
1: But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've reread the monologue at, uh, at the end by Tommy Lee Jones. And you know what? I think maybe I'm concentrating too much on the show in the chat to really get what was great about that. I, I'm not going to read it. But, uh, yeah, you can find that. Ah, uh, you can find that text online. yeah, I, so yeah, I lo- no Old men. Uh, really strange story, but one of the one of the best films I've seen, just for the crazy uh, tension of uh, the great camera work. Every scene just pushed the story forward and ratcheted up the tension. I mean, and just for the, uh, you can stop watching the movie after the gas station. As far as I'm concerned, because it's not going to get any better than that. Uh, anyway, that's what I've been watching. I, I think I'm. I think I'm going to go on a Coen Brothers marathon. That's how.
0: Um, Bill Murray ended up in Garfield. What was be was because of the Cohen brothers. See the Cohen brothers who made Fargo, their names are spelled C O E N Cohen. Mm-hmm. The Cohen brothers who made Garfield are spelled C O H E N Cohen. Coen. <laughs> And he wanted to work with the Coen brothers, just like desperately. He loved their movies. So when somebody called him up and said, hey, we got a spot for you on this Coen brothers movie, he signed up. Wrong Coen brothers. So (laughs) they roped him into doing the Garfield movie. Um. I'm like, dude, Bill. You might want to read. You might want to double check who you. And I, we we talk about Woody Harrelson adding gravitas to a movie.
1: <laughs> oh, how'd you feel about him in uh, In No Country for Old Men? Huh.
0: I don't even remember him in No Country for Old Men.
1: Well, he died like everyone else.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, But man, Bill Murray was... You know, Bill Murray in uh, the Garfield movie was... (laughs) It's like having Brooke Shields as your prom date. If you show up to your prom with Brooke Shields or Cindy Crawford or Dietz and Crows or, you know, Leticia Costa, it is just so far over the top, out of the league of what you would need to impress everybody that it becomes almost a joke, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just like, what
1: the hell? oh uh, that, that's I, what made it uh, well i mean bill murray had to voice garfield after the garfield cartoon because we all thought that that was bill murray <laughs> doing the voice on the cartoon he had to yeah seconded on uh cormac mccarthy's uh writing style in chat uh i i read the road hauntingly depressing but yeah that his writing style is a little pretentious i'm not i'm not sure i could handle much more of him
0: who made the road the movie so it wasn't the coen brothers
1: no i don't i don't know who did
0: that was a uh, really depressing movie that was like a movie that should have a warning label against suicidal people watching it.
1: Yeah, that's what the story was like. It was just, yep, the world is ending, and no, it's it's not getting any better. There's
0: nothing you can do to make it better. It's no. dead. I, I seriously don't understand why someone would want to write a story like that. or Why someone would want to read a story like that. Um speaking of things people want to read I uh I at one time in the last month or so um uh, said I wanted to start reviewing or at least talking about some books on the show again books,
1: books. what you've been re- what have you been reading?
0: I went and read uh, three things. Actually, I read several more than three things, but what I went and read that I want to talk about is the Belgariad, the First Ring War series, and then Lord Darcy, uh, which is a Bayan compilation of all the Lord Darcy stories by Randall Garrett, and uh, among some other random books, I also read Stephen King's um, time travel novel about the Kennedy assassination, which I believe is 11-22-63. Uh
1: Where shall we start?
0: You remember it, even if only from the movie, right?
1: Yes. Well,
0: 112263 starts out with a guy in a silver trailer who has a hamburger joint in it, kind of like uh, wingers. And he sells burgers really, really cheaply. And everybody comes in and eats there because one, yeah, they're cheap, but two, they're also the best burgers around people joke about him selling cat or you know dogs or whatever because they're so cheap and they've been that cheap for decades and the english teacher at the local high school one day takes him and takes him into the back of this silver trailer and has him walk down the stairs into the back And he walks into a portal into 1958. Same town, same place that the trailer will be. And he walks across the street and gets a a Coke at this uh, shop. And it is just amazingly tasty Um, because the Coke's made with real sugar and it doesn't have preservatives in it. And so it tastes so much better than the stuff that you could buy nowadays. Um, And the air... Is cleaner, people are friendlier. There's uh, all of the problems that we have to worry about nowadays with terrorism and diseases, uh, HIV and things like that, just don't exist in this late 50s America. And his friend wants him to go back in time and prevent the assassination of John Kennedy, of President Kennedy. Uh, I should say this diner and the little town that it comes out in. It's a small Texas town. And where the book, it's a well-written book, and it's an interesting book, and the story is humming along And Stephen King is a good writer. He has some personal peccadilloes that get in the way of a lot of his good writing. But as far as his composition goes, he knows how to, or has the talent to, put words together in a pleasing way that like tickle your brain. They're pleasing to read his words the way he puts them together. The characters he comes up with are interesting people that you wanna read more about. Um, His bad guys are generally interesting bad guys that you like to read more about. And even if his plots go off the rails, which happens a lot of the time. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, his stories go off the rails a lot of the time. But he has made some great books that are really kind of landmark books in the thriller or horror genres. And he's made some legendary books. Uh Firestarter, Cujo. Um, oh, the one that got made into a movie with uh, Martin Machine, The Dead Zone. Uh, he has made some really great books. Uh, the Shining, the book. Um, this book is a great book. Up until you get to Dallas, where the guy's going to just keep an eye on Lee Harvey Oswald as he's getting ready to uh, assassinate President Kennedy. And he wants to make sure... That Lee Harvey Oswald is actually alone, that he's not working with someone that there's not a conspiracy. Um, so that he'll know that when he stops Lee Harvey Oswald, he actually has he actually has stopped Kennedy because there's a five year gap between when he comes and arrives in Texas in nineteen fifty eight and when Kennedy gets shot in 1963 he doesn't want to have to go back and do it again cuz spending 5 years of your life waiting for an assassination to happen is really awful and this is what pissed me off sorry for swearing and this is what takes us back to the dairy main attraction every 27 years is King throws the same BS excuse that all of Americans left did, all of America's left did after Kennedy's assassination. So they couldn't accept, could not accept that, President Kennedy was assassinated by a leftist, by a commie. So they had to change it to be that Kennedy was assassinated by a spirit of violence, a spirit of right-wing hatred, hanging over the city of Dallas. And that's why Kennedy was shocked that it wasn't this jerk who had defected to Russia, gotten married, and come back to America. Because he couldn't handle being manual labor at a plant in Russia. They just couldn't accept it. They had to blame it on the right wing. And the only way to blame it on the right wing, because there were no right wing people who actually had done it, they just had to blame it on the specter of violence. Well, In Derry, in the novel It, the adults in the city were all bamboozled. They did not see or understand the bullying and violence that went on in the city. As exemplified in the case of the Losers Club with Ace. Ace. Uh, who was a greaser bully who went way beyond bullying into assault, cutting words into people's bodies and, you know, well into physical assault and criminal activity, um, almost attempted murder. So if you can see where I'm going with this, Stephen King took this notion of it being Dallas's fault, literally the city of Dallas with this aura of crime and just said that Dallas is dairy, that like dairy, It had a creature living in it that made people act out and get violent, and that it was literally this evil creature that was to blame for so many things. Including making or pushing, excuse me, uh, pushing Lee Harvey Oswald over the edge into assassinating Kennedy. It was all Dallas's fault. The city. Or this spirit of violence and vileness in this city, uh, not Harvey Oswald on his own. Now, you could say that that's uh, what they call a throw-the-book-against-the-wall moment. Uh, my books are ebooks in my phone, so I don't want to do that. But... Um, because my phone's an expensive piece of electronic equipment, uh, and I just finished out the book, but that's where I—that's where I checked out of liking the book. His characters were still interesting; they were still likable. His prose was still enjoyable, but that was when his peccadillos, as a leftist, Just took it too far. I'm like, no, that is BS. Probably most people wouldn't have recognized what was going on there. Probably it would have flown over their heads. And that's fine. If they didn't know it, didn't recognize it. And uh, we're able to just wa- read the book and not get aggravated by it, then I'm, I'm happy for it. As for me, that was the killer moment that drove me over the edge. You took a great idea in a really good and enjoyable book and An interesting time travel notion uh, with interesting consequences. And you flushed it down the toilet. And that's where I had to just mentally check out of loving the book. It's sad. But, again, Stephen King is actually a good writer. He's a good, sometimes brilliant writer. He,
1: he uh, knows his craft, in other words. He
0: knows his craft.
1: He was born with
0: talent, uh, impressive talent. And his book on writing, uh, I constantly here lauded by writers, uh, and not left-wing writers solely. Um, you know, if you hear people, actual selling writers, talk about what books about writing they recommend, his book is, is very frequently cited by all sorts of people. So... You know if you're if you're wondering for a book about on writing i've read it well technically i listened to the audiobook, but yeah i hear all kinds of people recommend that book so you might want to check it out just on strength of you know massive numbers of recommendation including my own um So this book was well on its way to being a genius read and uh, stumbled and fell. What I don't understand, what ticks me off is he starts off by saying how awesome it is back in the 50s. And later on, towards the end of the book, he falls into the same, I don't know, almost realization that all leftists or wokists do, that he realizes he has to portray the 50s as this absolute pile of irredeemable um, racism. And so in addition to describing really this idyllic time in the 50s, which really is, you know... A low crime time. He has to do that woke thing where they portray it as a million billion times worse than it was with racism. Um, which I know I'm not trying to say there wasn't racism. Obviously, there was. And I'm not you're saying just,
1: that you're just concerned about the historical revisionism. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It, You know, they just make racism, make people look like all the worst things that ever happened times 10 all happened to one person and all happened to every black American all the time. And it was a jarring shift for him to go from, man, the 50s were great and, you know, people got along and all that to, uh, oh, no, it was awful. It was terrible. It was always terrible. I'm just like, look, Jim Crow was awful. Uh, We don't have to make it seem more awful than it was. Because it was pretty awful anyways. You know? Mm. Turning a large portion of the society into second-class citizens, that was awful and terrible. And we can just let it be awful and terrible. We don't have to pretend it was worse than it was. We can just say how bad it really was. Because it was bad. And I'm, I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm just saying don't build it up to be more than it was. But anyways, that's eleven twenty-two seventy-three. I may have got that title wrong, but it's kind of a heartbreaker. It's a shame. Um But really, it does have some great stuff in the book. Stephen King's strengths come through even when his his peccadilloes come to the front. Oh, there was something awesome, though. Something awesome and hilarious. Um, It it just shows that Stephen King doesn't do his research, which he has admitted to. Uh, Many, many times. He had people going to the 27th Street Latter-day Saints church. And I just glanced past it when it first came up because I thought, oh, maybe he's referring to some other church that calls itself the Latter-day Saints. It was on this sign for a church. uh, And at the bottom of the sign, it said... um, uh, you know, Sunday worship is from here to here, and Wednesday night getting to know you meetings is from here to here. And I thought, oh, m- maybe just another church that calls themselves the Latter Day Saints, uh, because that was absolutely not what a Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints church would do. That's just not how. LDS or Mormon churches do it. That's like a Baptist thing. Right. And then come to find out a few pages later that, nope, that's supposed to be a Mormon church. Oh, boy. And I'm like, Steve, man, no. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is just going to have a sign out front saying, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and they don't have, you know, those movie marquee things that say, you know, have little sayings on them, have cute little sayings on them. I'm not saying those are blasphemous or anything. I'm not saying anybody's wrong for not doing those. It's just that's not what the LDS Church does. It was just hilarious. Uh, so I laughed at it and moved on. Uh, um, <laughs> if you're going to put just the word of wise to to writers if you're going to put an lds church in your book run something past an actual lds person because it'll be something small but it will trip you up <laughs> it was just and i was like oh man it's that new baptist Mormon church <laughs> Oh, I have run as clean out of time. I didn't even get to the other stuff.
1: But I did have to rant about that a little bit. I hear you. I hear you. Do you want to rant about the others or do you want to save it for another day? I'll have to save it for another day because we really literally are out of time. Well, perfect. I didn't really have time to do a, a roll call on chat today, uh, but we had a couple of... Un sorry i say unusually uh, expected intelligent and uh helpful discussion and comments in there um that was fun talking about just regular old media and pop culture nice break from our guest-a-thon we had and it's always a pleasure uh hearing what's going on in your old noggin daddy war pig uh so i'm gonna say goodbye to everybody uh i'm glad uh folks in chat had a good time i hope everybody listening later enjoy the reviews Uh, and uh and if you don't share our um, appreciation for cohen brothers movies go watch a couple again and and maybe it'll change your mind um but this is me signing off for this week thanks a lot for the gab and i hope everybody has a great weekend
0: all right folks i want to say thanks to everyone came and listened live participated in the chat i want to thank say thanks to uh Everybody who will listen later, you can uh, catch us live every week uh or almost every week at about this same time. Um and uh we did have an absolute shock because we started exactly the right time this week. So yay us. Uh we you can catch us on youtube.com slash geek gab. That's youtube.com slash geek gab. Or you can get us on the Apple iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or SoundCloud.com. And we're awesome. That's basically all I have to say. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We are signing off for this week. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.